1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks,
3: thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, comments, or concerns. And, Carol, before you take off,
4: long time no see. Long time, long time. It's so good to see you. Yes. I love the curly, the gray, the, I love <laughs> your, gray, I've always white. loved your hair. Well, it is white. It's a beautiful, beautiful color. And yes, Mike Miller is still in shorts. <laughs> You've been doing that for over 20 years. So how long you been here at the station? 25 and a half years. Wow. So we started basically at the same time. Yeah, we did. Yes, man. we did. Oh, man. And you, uh, I, I always tell this story, but when we bought our first house, when we moved here, My husband would take a little radio outside. He started to landscape our own house, and he would have the radio outside, and he would be listening to you. Oh, my goodness. And your information, your advice helped him to landscape our house. Wow. And as you know, that is why he got into the career that he did. Right. Was because of you. (laughs) And he has (laughs) now owned his own landscaping and lawn care company. For over 10 years because of you, man. Oh, man. Yeah. He went to the botanical garden because of you. He worked there for four years. And so, Um, yes, the Carol Daniel and Patrick Daniel are forever tied to Mr. Miller. (laughs) You knew that story. Yeah. But
3: I mean, it's great to see you. So you too. I mean, normally you're not the one that comes in on Saturday.
4: I haven't worked Saturdays in many, many years, but Brian Kelly uh, needed a day off. We were a little short-staffed, and our news director said, who wants to cover for Brian? And I was like, I will. All right, perfect. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks. Good to see Good you. Good to see you. Yes. Good gardening. <laughs> Same
3: to you. <laughs> Folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard and that front yard, too. A little depressed when you come home. Your front yard is what really welcomes you home. And those side yards, those landscapes, those specialty garden spaces, and those tropical plants, those house plants, how are they doing? And uh, you have a question of what is potting mix versus potting soil? And can I improve my soil this time of year to get ready for spring planting? Yes, you can. Should I by pruning or cutting or anything? Well, maybe you shouldn't, but... uh, and what are those things that are dangling from my trees and shrubs and stuff? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, use the information that I share with you, and hopefully, it'll help you orchestrate and solidify your options with the final judgment of actions going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. He's producing. Alex is going to be off. For a couple weeks, because he and his wife are expecting their second child, their second son. So he's going to take a couple weeks off. And Shaylin is going to be filling in for him during that time. So uh, next week, it'll be her and whoever. I Maybe Mike Miller, I don't know. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, I can come to your home and do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Anyway, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. A huge amount of crows. When I stepped out of my car, I couldn't believe it. We're covering the treetops. I mean, so loud. It was like kind of freaky. It was like something out of the Twilight Zone. And that was just to the west of where I was. Just to the north is the Slough Law School. And then there's three flagpoles across the plaza in front of the building. And uh, one has a USA flag, the other city, and the other a state. On the east side is a Sarah sculpture. Oh, the cold wind doth blow. Even though it's mid-40s, it felt cooler than that. Puddles from last night's rain a statue honoring the city police who have given their lives performing duties. And it's embraced by a small uh, box, little leaf, small, no, little leaf uh, boxwood hedge and a wrought iron fence. Various ornamental grasses are weaving and waving in the wind. The plaza cutouts in the granite and brick surfaces, Uh, the ornamental trees, mainly crab apples, are in some of the cutouts as well. A sign reads, no skateboarding or bike riding. Benches offer a rest, bit for all, anyone who wants to sit down and take it easy. Other cutout, other cutout areas in the plaza are planted with uh, and highlighted with more boxwood, ornamental grasses and a few other flowering shrubs. Um, they're up the steps, there's three pairs of doors that lead to, where is this? This is a civil courts building and it rises high. And on January 4th, I've been uh, assigned jury duty. But the interesting thing is now with things so odd and so, let's say, different than they ever were, that the night before your jury duty, you're supposed to call to see if they're going to have any cases that day. So it's really kind of an interesting circumstance. But Anyway, on January 4th, in theory, I'm going to have jury duty unless they decide that things are a little bit too crazy and we're going to put, you know, not have any court circumstances of that particular type. So anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, that rain really helped uh, hydrate the soil, which the soil then hydrates the root systems. Because if we go into really cold spells and the soil is dry, that's when the damage happens to basically all the feeder roots. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. First call of the day, let's go to St. Charles County and see what's going on with Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, hello. How are you? Very good.
5: Hey, uh, I've got a brackened round beauty magnolia that's the deer rubbed and rubbed and rubbed on it. But anyway, I've got one branch where all the leaves have turned brown and dried up. Is that an indication that that uh, limb is dead and I should... take it off now or wait till spring?
3: Uh, you could probably wait if you want to, but it's dead, to be honest. It's, I
5: yeah, mean, if you don't
3: want to look at it through the wintertime, go ahead and make the, you know, go ahead and cut it. But my tendency would be to just kind of leave it and see what happens, see if there's any kind of new buds coming out for new leaves. Chances okay. are it's not going to happen, but uh, who knows?
5: Okay. One other question, I've got uh, several gardens with a lot of daylilies in them. Uh All the the, the leaves are all brown. Should I clean them off
3: now or wait till spring? Uh, it's personal again, but uh, usually you're better off to clean any kind of perennial plant foliage uh, going into wintertime, as opposed to waiting till the springtime. Because you just you know, I mean, it just it looks nicer, and also you eliminate maybe the chances of insects being overwintering there, and also any potential diseases. Even though daylilies really don't have an insect problem, or You know, other problems as well with diseases or anything else. It's just, uh, you know, it's just better to do that and stay ahead of the game.
5: Okay. I didn't know the freeze would affect them more when they weren't, uh, didn't have their foliage on. No, the,
3: the crown of them. Certain things that like bloom in the fall, yes, you want to leave that foliage there, like mums and asters and things like that, because it does protect the crown. But the daylily crown is already, you know, I mean, it's already gotten itself kind of winterized.
5: Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the daylilies just in general do not need to be mulched. You can mulch them if you want. It's strictly a personal thing, but it's not really something that's required with them. And with a... Any of the perennials, it's one to two inches at the most with the mulch. So thanks, Mike.
5: All right, thank you. Sure. Have a great good Christmas and all.
3: You do the very same thing, and happy holidays. And now let's see. Let's go to Sunset Hills and into Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Good morning,
0: Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. Um, I have a balcony, and I planted tulips several weeks ago, and I watered them good. In a pot, um, so I wondered, should they be winter uh, watered regularly during the winter?
3: Not necessarily. You can, I mean, you can look down in there. and If you start to see the potting mix shrink away from the you know the inside of the pot, then you could probably go ahead and water them. But you don't have to necessarily do it regularly. And probably you know anticipate seeing some of the foliage tips come up you know in another month or so. So don't panic if you see some growth like that.
0: Okay, that's fine. So we'll have mixed-up tulips just like in the yard.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Well, thank you very much, and happy holidays.
3: Sure, same to you. And, folks, if we, ha- we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Somebody uh, emailed me during the week, and he asked if he should keep cutting his grass. And as long as your grass keeps growing— and that's usually going to be a cool-season grass, obviously, because the warm-season grasses have shut down. Uh, Yes, keep mowing it because you don't want it to get too long because it could mat down and have a moisture circumstance. Even if there's not leaves piled on top of it, the blades you know, just laying on top of each other could create a fungus problem for next year. So just routinely, even though your neighbors are all going to go, it's December. What's he out cutting his grass for? It's just to your grass advantage. Set your mower blade at about three and a half inches or so, three to three and a half inches. It's kind of strictly up to you. And you can still, uh, you know if you've got leaves in your yard and you want to just chop them up, you could certainly chop up the leaves just when you run over the top of them, especially if you don't have a mulching type mower. if it, if you look back and see and you can't see the grass blades, then uh, you're going to have to do some raking as well. Other things that you need to be thinking about in your yard. Well, you know, protecting your plants is something we really always want to do as we go into wintertime and summertime too, but wintertime is even rougher because of this freeze-thaw cycle and things along that line. But the best way to protect your plant material from the cold weather or from the hot weather or anything else is selecting a location where your plant is supposed to be planted. So in other words, not worry about let's say the aesthetic value of putting a plant in that you really like if you position it in a place that's let's say it wants to be in a shaded environment but it wants to be damp or it wants to be dry and it wants to be in full sun or whatever it happens to be. Go ahead, you know, I mean doing that in the very beginning is the best thing you can do as far as protecting your plant material due to our weather. Sharla is um, calling, and Sharla, how are you? Good morning. Um, my question is, we put new
0: landscaping around our house a couple years ago, and I am looking for preferably an online resource that I could search for a plant and find out like, how to take care of it in detail, because I'm not good at this. <laughs> do you have any recommendations? Well, like when you say cut something back, does that mean cut it back an inch, cut it back to a ground? When do I do it?
3: Uh, basically, uh, Missouri Botanical Garden. So, Online? Yeah, Mobot, okay. M-O-B-O-T, so MissouriBotanical.org. Mm-hmm. And they've got okay. all kinds of uh, information related to selecting the plants and the care as well.
0: Like for somebody who doesn't know what they're
3: doing. Well, hopefully you know how to spell the plant's name. But no, I'm kidding.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, because like when in the like you were talking about cutting back hostas a right. couple of weeks ago. Well, does that mean that I cut them back all the way and get rid of all the foliage, and they really
3: will grow back then? Generally, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but, I, I mean, the Missouri Botanical the Garden website is just, I mean, it's a zillions and zillions of information related to, let's say, beginners and other things. Also, you might consider taking some classes, too, which they offer classes okay. at the Botanical Garden. Yeah, okay. Or see if your local garden center may have some classes in the springtime where, you know, somebody, I used to do it, but I don't do it anymore, where I'd go out and just meet and teach class, and it, basically it'd be just for information-wise, so I, people would come and we'd sit, and I'd talk a little bit, and then I would just spend the rest of the time uh, answering people's individual questions. Okay, that's great. I appreciate your help very much. Sure. Well, thank you. Okay. Have a good day. You do the very same thing. And uh, pine needles, wood chips, sawdust, leaf mold, compost are all you know all things that really work well as far as mulching and winter protection. But also, if you don't want to fool around with doing those things, it doesn't necessarily mean just piling things up on top of plant material. Go to St. Louis Composting. Not only are they going to have the products done correctly, and you're not going to have diseases related to mulch, because people think, well, if it's mulched, then there could be no problems with it. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you can have diseases if things have not been mulched properly. One is called shotgun, and that's a mulch. It's a, actually a fungus disease in mulch. So sometimes you put it, you spread this mulch that has this shotgun you know, fungus in it, and now you'll start to see specks on the side of your house where the mulch is underneath. And what it is is it actually shoots, and it's shooting its spores, and it doesn't necessarily want them to land on the side of your house, but when they land on the side of your house, it sticks. Other areas, what it's doing is just spreading the spores all over the place. So just understand that's one of the things that if you get mulch that is not properly done, then you've got potential problems. So that's kind of what it's all about. Um, other things covering, you know, I mean, just in winter, it's just very, very tough. Because we don't have any idea. Think about what the last couple of days were like and think about what the next few days are gonna be like. So, the ground is not frozen yet. So, sometimes people worry about spreading or putting mulch down around roses or around other plant materials before the ground freezes. Last couple of years, I don't think that our ground is really frozen very deep at all. So, it technically is not frozen per se. So, when we get to this time of year, um, it would have been better to do it when it was warmer for you, but uh, to get out and when you when it is this cool, and it is cool today, even though the temperature is in the 40s, the wind is making it feel much uh, cooler than that, that uh, you can spread the mulch. But, again, keep it away from the trunks of trees, from the base, and just don't pile it up just because you like how it looks. So, in other words, if you have an adequate depth of mulch three or four inches around woody plant material – you could put a, maybe just a light coating on it if you want to have some new color to it because mulch will bleach out during the, the growing season. So what you do is just put a little bit on it. Or if you have the mulch is biodegradable, so it's finally going to break down. It does improve the soil, so that's you know the good part of mulching. And mulch is mulch, not compost. Compost is a completely different thing. Compost goes into the ground and... Uh, guess what? If It's not in the ground. It doesn't really do all that much. It doesn't help that much by laying on top of the surface. If you're thinking about, uh, somebody emailed me too this past week and said, you know, in my lawn area, I've got a spot where I've got where crabgrass was, and crabgrass is a warm season annual weed. It's died off. So, you know, what can I do? This area is really brown. Really putting seed down or anything like that this time of year is not advisable. You're not going to get any kind of results of what you anticipate. And also, I cannot, you know, I'm not really quite sure why people continue to do this. But uh, putting mulch, you know, or putting a straw on top of grass seed, I'm not exactly sure. I think originally that was done just sort of a reminder of where the seed was. But some people are putting so much straw down. It creates another you know, humidity circumstance. And newly germinated grass seed can really do poorly in high humidity, in other words, the moisture. So it could, you know, it could really kill it off where you're trying to do the best for it. There's a lady right across the street from me, and she put some straw down. And uh, I don't want to stick my nose in everybody's business, but I think she
2: put a little bit
3: too much. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Waterloo into Bruce's yard. Hi, Bruce.
6: How you doing there, Mike? Very good. Got a couple of weeds to deal with here. I mean, I've got many more other weeds to deal with, but these two particular Uh this nut grass, can you tell me uh, what it does when it goes away like this time of year? Is it just dormant in the grass, or, or is it gone? Does no, it mean it it's not.
3: You're exactly right. It's just dormant. So it doesn't really like the cold weather, so it goes underneath the ground and uh, w- that waits until it warms up, and then that kind of explodes. And that's the best time where you got, have to get a sedge killer, you know, nut sedge killer or whatever, you know, nutgrass killer specifically for that. And the best time to go after it is in the early spring as soon as you notice it. Because the what they do is through the growing season, is they'll get a, a waxy cuticle on the surface and that makes it tougher for the uh, herbicide to be absorbed.
6: Okay. I've heard you say before that you almost have to brush it on there.
3: Yeah. Well, you yeah. don't. I mean, you can spray it on there. Just make sure you spray it right oh. onto it.
6: Okay. And uh, it spreads. How does it spread?
3: Uh, Basically a couple different directions, a couple different ways, but it actually produces seed. So then that seed can germinate, you know, right at, you know, right. It's on the root system and the seed can germinate right next to where it was actually produced. So it can spread that way. It doesn't really do too much with the rhizomes, but uh, it can spread a little bit that way. But for the most part, it's by seed.
6: Okay, because i would never seen it, like, go to pot, like uh, like grass, where you can see it up on top if it gets long.
3: Well, I mean, it will. If you let it go to flower, it has flower, which will produce seed, but the majority of the seed are produced underneath the ground on the tips of the root system, which, you know, if you ever dug it up, you know that it's white roots.
6: Okay, so, like, pre emergence not going to have any effect on that? Not at all. Okay, and then I got white clover, and I guess that... I can either pre-emerge and I'm gonna pre-emerge this year anyway. But then it needs—I've I've killed that before. Weed be gone.
3: Right. Probably the best way is w- with a broadleaf weed killer like what you've had success with.
6: Okay. Well, thank you. Those are my main two questions. By the way, when you were uh, in the Air Force, was that anywhere in near March of
3: 1969 when you went in there? <laughs> well, in sixty—you know—in '69, I've—you know. In 69, I've, you know Air Force uh, sent me to Denver for tech school. Then I went to Barksdale Air Force Base. I spent a couple, of, not quite two years down there. And then they sent me to March Air Force March Air Force Base for the last couple of years.
6: Oh, okay, because I was I went in in March of '69. I was down on a last level. I thought that was about the same time you were in there.
3: Yeah, definitely.
6: Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Thank
3: you. Al. C- certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, I went to tech school for air intelligence and. Uh, you never know where it's going to lead you, and uh, interesting times, needless to say. Let's head over to Brian's yard. Hi, Brian. Hello? Hello. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of
6: curious about something. I'm wanting to purchase some indoor plants for the wintertime. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but I do know what they look like. I know they can be potted plants. They need to be putting a pot on the floor or from the ceiling, I guess, if that's possible. They, I don't know if it's um, – they're wide-leaf plants. They have, like, these little white stripes that go through them. I can't think – I know they're a common plant, but I just can't think of the name of them.
3: Are they <laughs> look like a spear? Yeah. Uh, mother-in-law's tongue is one name. So okay. In other words, because it's pointed and, I, you know – but anyway, yeah. Sansevieria oh. is the, the botanical name of it. Okay. And, I mean, they're tough, durable. They can handle low-light I mean, actually, some there's a house in my neighborhood which they have them planted outside, and I've not noticed them. If they're able to survive, I don't think they are. But uh, I'm going to keep an eye on these particular ones. But yeah, mother-in-law's tongue or Sansevieria.
6: Sounds okay, I'm trying to figure out how to spell that. <laughs> okay, mother-in-law. All right, thank you. I appreciate the info.
3: Sure. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. that's those are tough days of old in the 50s almost every home had some uh, mother-in-law's tongue in their house let's go
7: now
3: let's go over to overland and into carter's yard hi carter
7: good morning mike good morning uh one of the things that impresses me most about you is not just how much you know about these common problems and plants that we all have but Somebody can have a question about a random off the wall, nobody heard of plant before and no problem. You know all about it. So (laughs) I'm here to (laughs) test your knowledge, the breadth (laughs) of your knowledge. Have you ever heard of a Hoya plant? Sure. I knew it. (laughs) Okay. So these are particularly important to me because they were cuttings from my mother's plant about 30 years ago and hers was a cutting from her mother's plant. So there's some sentimental value to these plants. I've had a couple of problems over the years with these that seem to be resolved just by spraying some soapy water on them every day for a couple of weeks. I've got a current situation with one of them, uh, the same thing, that is not going away and it's starting to concern me because it's starting to make it die. And I don't know if these little things that are on the, the plant are, are animal or if they're a, a fungus of some kind. So I'm hoping you can help me. They're, they're clusters of little tiny yellow really a bright yellow um, something, and they're clusters, and then they they start to grow um, in number around the plant.
3: Now, are they on the leaf or are they on the stem?
7: They're on the stem.
3: Probably what I would do is just take a cotton ball and wipe the stem.
7: Well, I do that. I actually just take my finger and kind of move them along the stem and and take them off. And that's how I know that they're a little bit squishy. But they don't seem to be eradicated just by mechanically removing them like that. And spraying the the soapy water on there uh, every day seems to help some, but it's not helping in this
8: case.
3: Yeah, I would... Do you know if it's... Yeah, go to your... It's probably an insecticide... (laughs) or right, an insect but I would go to your favorite garden center and get an insecticidal soap one specifically for yeah. killing you know insects as opposed insects. and and I would you know go ahead and spray the plants for sure but also mix up a little bit extra and pour it on the surface of the soil, uh, the potting mix
7: uh, so they could be in the surface of the soil itself, right. too.
3: Exactly. So they're not fungus okay. gnats by any means. But, you know, they could. anytime you have one type of insect, it could be, you know, setting up a scenario where another one may come in. But, yeah, Hoya is a great plant as far as, uh, you know, the way it cascades and everything else. And if this, you're the third generation of this uh, series of plants, that's wonderful.
7: Oh yeah, they're and, and when they flower, when they bloom, right. you know, if, if you can get them to, and that, they need so much sun. But if you know, to bloom, the smell is just amazing.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know what you know variety you have, but generally they're pure. I have white. no
7: idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are mostly yeah, the white uh, with a little bit of pink in
3: okay. the center.
7: I think it is. It's been a while since it bloomed, but. Okay, so you think it's an insect rather than some kind of a fungus right? uh, like that. So I'll get insecticidal. Okay, very good. I knew I could count on you, Mike. Thank you very
3: much. Well, great. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Central Illinois, and see what's going on with Bill. Hi, Bill.
9: Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. I have a a blooming magnolia that's got buds on it because of the weird weather around here. It was 66 here yesterday.
3: Well, is all, there anything
6: I can? Is there anything I can do?
3: Basically, all the magnolias have are setting their flower flower buds, spring flower buds now.
9: Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah,
3: so it's nothing to worry about. Whether you have the deciduous type, in other words, the ones that loses leaves, like this, uh, the star, which is the white flowered one, the uh-huh. saucer, which is a kind of the purplish one, but uh, no, they're all setting flower, you know, flower buds for next spring.
9: And is there anything I should do? Is it too late to uh, add fertilizer to uh, my blackberries or not?
3: I would say I wouldn't do it. Okay. This late, because you may force some growth, even though it might not be obvious. They could, you know, if we get who knows what the weather's going to be like, it could uh, cause some problems. But I wouldn't be doing it this time of year.
9: Okay, I I appreciate your show very much, and you.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some phone lines open, but let's head over and see what's going on with Tommy. Hi, Tommy.
8: Yes, uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, my wife and I have uh, enjoyed your show for many years, uh, but it's the first time I've had the nerve to um, actually call in. Um, two uh, separate questions here. Um, uh, our hydrangeas are fine, but uh, we have a questions about uh, our Christmas cacti. We bought two last year. One flowered about Thanksgiving, and then the other one uh, is not uh, even budding out. I wondered if you. Uh, had any suggestions about maybe forcing that uh, little thing to um, to bloom. And then um, concerning uh, uh, pre-emergent, I usually try to uh, spread it in the spring when the forsythias bloom. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's hard to find a pre-emergent without fertilizer. Does um, the fertilizer hurt uh, the grass by uh, spreading it so early in the spring?
3: Uh on a, let's say, depends upon what type of lawn. If you're putting it on a warm season grass like Zoiza, yes, it could cause some damage. It could, let's say, force some growth that uh, if we have another cold snap, it could be damaging. But on a, let's say, a fescue or a bluegrass, it shouldn't be any problem at all.
8: Okay. All right. And a Christmas that, that cactus, advice,
3: Christmas cactus is always a roll of the dice. They are very very difficult. They want to have a, you know be in a cool circumstance, but a bright window. So they're from the tropical part of the world, but still they want to have coolness, and that could trigger blood formation. So that's probably you know the chances of getting it to flower regularly is going to be iffy at best. They have a lot of Christmas cactus at the botanical garden, but they have they keep them you know more or less in a separate greenhouse range. Where they really control the temperatures and everything else.
8: Uh, does it uh, help to uh, put them in in the dark at night or anything like no. that, or is that uh, the
3: night? You know, the night. night dark. It's not like poinsettias, but uh, basically, it's not going to make that much difference. But if you want to fool around with it, give it you know eight or ten or twelve hours of darkness, and then but we don't have eight or ten hours of bright light, so. What's the difference? I don't quite understand that whole concept.
8: Okay, we'll give her a shot then. Thanks All right. so
3: much. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm being a little bit uh, exaggerated, but uh, they're they're just a, a difficult plant to have success with. So, and you know I mean they do like to have fertilizer, and any plant that's in flower would prefer to be fertilized right at that time for sure. So, getting some cactus fertilizer. Don't use regular fertilizer. Get Specifically, four cactus plants would be the best thing you could use.
8: Sounds like what I need to do is buy a new one every year then.
3: That would be the wise thing to do. (laughs) A well-budded one and just enjoy it. And then give it to somebody and say, oh, these are really easy to grow. Yes, they're easy to grow, but not easy to make flower.
8: That's what I did last year.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're smart. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yep. And let's head over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Hey Mike, good morning. Good morning.
5: Hey, um, I've been um, gardening, vegetable gardening here for over 20 years, but I moved to a new house last year. So it was the first year in a long time I didn't have a vegetable garden and I've prepared a raised bed garden area. um, But I would like your input on um, how to prepare that, uh, whether I should add some amended mix. I've got some soil in it, but I haven't put in like a raised mix yet. Whether I should do that now, or should I wait till spring? And then also, um, what type of cool uh, weather um, plants could I put in, and what what would be the timing to do that, such as spinach, um, lettuces, and should I do that via seed or should I do it versus uh, small plants?
3: Well, if you can find small plants and you don't have to worry about it. I mean, you've got them there, you know where they are and everything else, so that would be sort of my recommendation. Growing from seed is great, and you're probably not going to find, like, the cool season lettuce or spinach or things like that plant-wise, but if you can, I would go with the plants. And, yes, this is a great time of year to improve the soil so you can have it ready for next year. I don't know if you grow warm-season vegetables as well as the cool-season stuff, you know, leafy lettuce or kale or whatever it happens to be, but uh, improving the soil during the wintertime, is perfect time of year to do it. And as far as getting the plants, as soon as they, you know, they're available at the garden centers, you could do that. Or if you're going to grow them from seed, probably get the seed started sometime in, uh, let's say, mid September. Okay. Thanks. Yep. And wow, that's the first hour of the Garden Hotline. So. We do have uh, lines open, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. We will be back after the news.
2: Your KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, it is the Garden Hotline tip of the trial hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Ruby, will be getting to talk to you just in a few seconds. But by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs related to annuals. I've just been really surprised. The weather's been so nice that actually, in my neighborhood, when I wander through and check out various things, there's still some petunias that are alive. And the flowers are smaller than what they would be when the weather's better, but I mean, they're still flowering and they look, they look good. Pansies, lots of pansies still looking good. Bulbs, yes. If you do still have some daffodils, crocus, tulips, spring flowering bulbs that you haven't planted yet, you still got an opportunity to get them into the ground. If you decide you don't want to do that, then just pot them up, and what you can do is force them to end of flower. So they have to go through a cold treatment and things along that line, but uh, that might be something you might want to consider. How about the edibles? I'm A lot of the edibles, which I consider... Mm, you know, kale, I'm not really a fan of kale. But aesthetically, I like ornamental kales because of the color. But uh, it just depends upon who you are and what you happen to like. Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And I like to share my thoughts, but please remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board is Shalene and... Uh, Alex both they're here so it takes this show is so complicated it takes two people but anyway mike, they're producing
1: this is our last hour together to oh, that's I go right. on baby leave
3: yeah alex is going to be taking off because he and his wife are going to have their second child a son and another boy yeah wow yeah mike this is our last hour till next year <laughs> are your armpits sweaty no nah, i'm good <laughs> okay good <laughs> Great. Thanks, Alex. And uh, during the week, I can do landscape consultations. If you'd like for me to come to your home, go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, and that's my email address and phone number is listed there, and uh, I can come to your home and do a walk and talk. So I'll come and Share 40-plus years of experience related to the outdoors. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This Tip of the trial goes down, is for two people in my neighborhood. That's two doors down Charlie and three doors down Bob. These guys do so much as far as the leaf control. We live all live across the street from Christie Park. And the prevailing winds blow a heck of a lot of leaves, you know, at our homes. And they get out there, and they, you know, before I even get a chance, like, I think it was last Saturday I had planned on getting rid of a bunch of leaves. But Charlie was out there, and he, what he does is he rakes them into the street, then he runs over them with his mower, and then he blows, you know, all the small pieces back over towards the park. So, and... uh, Bob does this very same thing. So thanks to them for helping with the leaf control. We still got a lot of leaves headed towards our homes because we live on the northeast corner of Christie Park. And those prevailing southwest winds, they blow them in our direction. So thanks to Charlie and Bob for all the leaf control that they do. They make it so I don't have to necessarily do it. You know, and I'm not, I'm let's say put it this way. I'm lazy. I don't go down and do stuff in front of their houses, which they do in my direction. So I just take care of my own yard. I'm really a jerk when it comes to that. But anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Afton and go into Ruby's yard. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Mike. I love your show.
10: uh, And I've called in a couple of times. Uh, today, I have a comment and a question, and the comment is, the gentleman who called in about the Hoya plant, mm-hmm. well, I've had one for many, many years, and uh, I used to, well, I have it in my sunroom, but I had it back where it didn't get much sun, And it got those little yellow bugs that the man gets. But I moved it into the sun. And for a number of years, I have not had any of the little yellow bugs. Wow.
3: That's surprising because I think those are probably a type of aphid is what they are. Right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But so anyway,
10: I thought he might want to try to move it into a little more sun. And my question is, I have, um, oh, gosh a holly tree the the kind that uh loses their leaves in the winter okay yes a service berry i think or
3: well holly uh, and service berry are two different things right
10: yeah it's not service berry but you know the one that loses its leaves in the
3: yeah it's called winterberry
10: winter that's right winterberry yes so it doesn't have any blooms i mean any berries on it this Year and they're very old, probably over 20
3: years old. Do you think I just need to get rid of them and get some new ones? Uh, probably not. What you might want to do though, is you might, I don't know how much space you have or anything else. You might want to get one or two new ones that are small and plant them in close proximity. So they actually look like they were all grown and to be one big plant together and see if the new ones, you know, just get regular, you know, you don't get huge ones or big ones or whatever and see what they do and see, you know, is, has there been a change in the environment in these 20 years, like large oak trees growing over and shadowing them or anything along that line? Uh, well, not
10: oak trees, but um, I do have a service berry and, a, um, and another tree that does kind of uh,
3: shadow them. Well, I mean, they can take the shade, but I, the reason why I was saying that is, You know, not necessarily the shade from the oak tree or maple tree or a large, let's say, shade-type tree, but the invasive, aggressive root system of these trees could impact the overall health of your winter berries.
10: Okay. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, thank you. I appreciate uh, all of your help. Well, thanks.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Thanks for calling, and let's go over to Kent's yard. Hi, Kent.
8: Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. Hey, Mike, I really don't need anything down here in St. Genevieve County. I just want KMOX and you especially to know how much help that you provide and how much you are, are appreciated out here in radio land. And uh, I wanted to say thank you and have a Merry Christmas.
3: Well, thank you very much, and I'm not worthy of, uh, you know, But it's very nice of you to call. So thank you. I appreciate uh, it.
8: You are worthy, Mike. Thank (laughs)
3: you. (laughs) Anyway, well, thanks, Kent. And uh, continue to listen. So, uh, you know, I'll keep going as long as I possibly can. Anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Just remember, any kind of chemicals that you're storing in your garage, um, any of the granular stuff, keep it dry. So keep it up off the floor because sometimes the coolness of your floor can create humidity underneath that bag, and it could cause problems. So, and the liquids prevent from freezing. So any of that stuff, be smart and save yourself some money. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary.
11: Hi. Hi. Um. Yeah, um, I called before about this plant. I last minute impulse, I bought a small Alberta spruce plant, and um, it's it's not too late to plant it, right? If I do it in the next couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'd get it done as soon as possible for sure.
11: Okay, and can you possibly put those in a pot and overwinter them? Oh, absolutely, you can. Yes. Okay.
3: I mean, a um, lot of you. So you, see you want a
11: pot like a couple inches, two to three inches bigger than. The plant yeah, is now? Should, yeah, that should be ball. adequate
3: because, I mean, what you're doing is just insulating the root system. So the root system is not going to grow too much in the pot. And uh, so, yeah, just make sure it's a couple inches bigger. But yeah, there's plenty of Alberta spruce that are grown in pots for multiple years. Uh huh. Oh, so, okay. I didn't know that. And yeah. what kind of conditions do they like? They want to be in full sun, is going to be the best and not up next to the house because the backside will then lose all their needles.
11: Right, right. And are
3: they very drought-tolerant? Yeah, they're pretty drought-tolerant. I mean, they're from a mountainous area in Canada, Alberta, Canada. Obviously, that's where the name Alberta spruce comes from. But, right, right, uh, and so, they grow slow. Yeah, so in other words, they grow basically on rock, which means you know they can handle a dry circumstance.
10: Wow,
11: okay, all right. And so um, if I don't get it in a, to do it anything with it, it's in a pot now. In the next week or two, it should be able to tolerate some cooler temperatures. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. All right, well, uh, the one spot I did want to plant it in is a western
3: exposure, so
11: it would get sun more like late afternoon, early to late afternoon.
3: Well, for at least getting five to six hours of direct sun, then it should be adequate.
11: Okay, and it will grow real slow.
3: Very slow.
11: Okay, and then I want drainage, too, in the pot, right? I want it to be able to drain.
3: Well, drainage in the pot or drainage in the ground, for sure.
11: Uh-huh. So do I need to add pebbles or something underneath
3: it? Uh, Pebbles is, I don't know. Just improve this, you know, dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball and just make sure that the crown is above the surrounding, you know, ground.
11: Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I don't need to put anything on top of the pot, any mulch or anything to kind of insulate it a little bit more if I put it in a pot.
3: Well, you could put some uh, Christmas ornaments on it.
11: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That was my initial idea (laughs) since it was Christmas. Okay, all right. And uh, a deep pot or uh, just a pot a little bigger than what it's in with some good soil. Right. And it can be potting soil
3: with... Some garden soil mixed in. I would use potting mix versus potting soil.
11: Okay. Okay. I think I have that. Okay. Okay, All right. Well, thanks a lot.
3: Right. Great. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, and speaking of uh, ornaments, I have all kinds of pots and things like that. Some are planted with things. Some have nothing in them. But I have a whole bunch of ornaments that I put out, and just the top of the pot, you know, is covered with uh, Christmas ornaments, so... I just get some color that way. Let's head over to O'Fallon and see what's going on with Joyce. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Mike.
12: Um, I just uh, have a a heads-up reminder. We talked last week um, about uh, bringing in clippings from our ornamental plants, holly, um, evergreens, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking about that conversation this week, and I just wanted to give a heads-up reminder to our other gardener friends. If you're... It's a wonderful idea to bring them in, of course, but just have a heads up. If they have been sprayed with any type of um, chemical or fertilizer, to be sure to put those either up away from certainly uh, pets and little ones if we have them around, but also if you're going to use that for any kind of table decoration, just be aware that uh, there's no, been no chemicals uh, sprayed on any of those uh, those ornamental clippings that we might bring into the to our homes. Right. Anyway, uh, just a heads up to our fellow listeners and be careful with those chemicals and Merry Christmas.
3: Well, very good. Thanks, thanks for the insight. Also, no you know, problem. when you bring them in, uh, you could just take them in this you know the sink and spray them off and clean them off that sure. way. That would help.
12: Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, just a heads up reminder. So, okay. Merry Christmas, everyone.
3: Yes. Well, thank you very much. And now let's go from. O'Fallon, Illinois, let's head north to Alton and go into Howard's Yard. Hi, Howard.
13: Hi. Uh, I've got some uh, evergreen trees that were planted a couple of
9: weeks ago. Uh, is it time to stop watering for winter or, and wait till spring or what?
3: Well, it just depends. On, you know, the weather's going to dictate that. But uh, the first couple of weeks you should water almost every other day or so just so you can saturate the ground really well. And from this point forward, if you've been routinely watering, it's only if we have extended periods where there's a lot of, let's say, a lot of winds potentially, or even if there's not wind and we're not having, let's say, regular type of rain, moisture, ice, snow, or things like that, then, yeah, take a bucket of water out and, uh, you know, pour it around on the root system. Okay. Thanks a lot, sir. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go now over to Dots. Hi, Dot.
14: Hi, Mike. I have a question. Well, I have two questions, actually. The first one, I had bulbs still in pots. They were uh, elephant ear and uh, rose bulbs, and I dug them out the other day when it was warm on Thursday, mm-hmm. and I forgot to bring them in, so they got wet last night and this morning. Do I need to let them dry out before I put them in newspaper and paper bags, or can I go ahead and do it now?
3: Well, you can probably shake them off. I, you know, they're not going to retain a lot of moisture so if you've got okay. them, if you know, the potting mix is still around them and it's really wet, just shake the potting mix off.
14: Okay, and the um, roots that are on them—do I just leave those on there?
3: Yeah, that's just—they're just, just going to dehydrate anyway. So I mean, okay, so they'll they'll yeah. dry
14: up and fall off.
3: Okay. Yeah, don't fool around with clipping and we're cutting them, or that's getting a little bit too fanatical. Let's put it that way.
14: <laughs> okay, and the lady that just talked about the little dwarf Alberta spruce—I bought one too. And I intend to put it in a pot. It's a large pot, so it'll be able to stay in there for several years without any
3: problems? It shouldn't be any problems at all. Just so it's well-drained, it has drainage, you know, the pot has drainage holes in the bottom. Other than that, they should be, it should be fine.
14: Okay, and it gets southern exposure, so it's going to get a lot of sun, and that's good for it, right? Yeah,
3: right, exactly. So I should have mentioned okay. to her, you know, she said put uh, you know, rocks in the bottom. With a potting, you know, with a potting mix, I'd probably mix in some pea gravel as opposed to rocks, and definitely don't oh, okay. do don't do any kind of limestone because limestone is uh, alkaline, and any mm-hmm. kind of evergreen wants an acidic circumstance. So that would be the worst thing you could possibly do is use limestone rock.
14: Well, the pot already has potting mix in it, well, and that's, um, that's fine. And then I put some more in on the top and mixed it in down a few inches, which is where I kind of figure the. Uh, the tree will be. Now, you know that rule about digging it two times the size of the root ball. Does right. that apply in the pot too? No. No. Okay. So as long as I've got the potting mix in there, I don't need to dump it out and put pea gravel or anything in the bottom. No. Right?
3: Yeah. I mean, you can if you want to, but uh, it might be more work than what you really want to fool with.
14: I mean, I know it drains well because when I water it, I can see the water coming out the bottom. So well, I know perfect. It drains quite well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great.
14: Okay. All right. So I don't have to worry about the fact that those bulbs got wet then? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day.
3: Well, you do the very same thing. And, uh, you know, I won't call the uh, African, no, the Elephant Ear Society and say, she let her bulbs get wet. They're not going to buy, it's not going to hurt them. Let's Let's get a call in before we take a break. Let's go over to Libby's yard. Hi, Libby.
13: Hi, Mike. My question is about laurels. Okay. I planted them about four years ago. They were beautiful when they were put in. Um, uh, yellow leaves I pull off consistently throughout them. I think they're some sort of bug, but I can't find them. I end up uh, pulling the leaves off, then cutting the, the major stem off because it's dead. Um, right now, out of the five, I have about three and a half left. I'm very disappointed. I took care of them. I watered them, fertilized them. Uh, any thoughts? I let them go this long because they still flower, and and they have new growth. But the old leaves, it's really they're scraggly, and I'm I'm very kind of sad about them.
3: Right. Well, basically, they're not hardy plants for this region.
13: Oh well, ding ding.
3: Okay. <laughs> So you could do as much as you want to. I mean, you can go down to the botanical garden. You're not going to see any growing there or any that's going to grow there for an extended period of time. Laurels just don't like our region because of our screwball weather.
6: All
13: righty. I mean, those blooms uh, really kind of kept me going on. Like, maybe they would grow out of it, but I thought four years
3: was enough to give them. Oh, absolutely. Even two years should, you know, tell you. But, uh, I mean, the garden centers should have... You know, some sort of dot or some sort of message like, these are marginally hardy, don't expect a whole lot out of them. And if you do buy some, send them to some friends that live in a better climate towards the (laughs) south or west.
13: Okay, my question is I would like some evergreens there uh, that, you know, get maybe 15 feet tall to kind of block the driveway across the street. Any suggestions? We have... um, the, the the cedars on the driveway, and then a, a beautiful, uh, huge white pines, mature white pines. Anything to go with those?
3: Uh, you could try maybe the Arborvitae, like the Techni, T-A-C-H-Y, Techni Arborvitae. They're only going to get about Techni. 8 to 10 feet high.
13: Huh. Okay, I'm not familiar with those. I'll look into that. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Yeah, A-R-B-O-R-V-I-T-A-E. Yeah, correct.
13: Hey, one quick question. A friend told me about pine needles and not using them as a mulch because it can be detrimental to the plant. Is is that true?
3: No. So your friend doesn't I didn't know. think so. <laughs> your friend okay. is full of it.
13: Excellent, thank you. Sure, my <laughs>
3: pleasure. H- Happy
13: holidays, uh-huh.
3: bye. Same to you. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: We've had quite a few calls. Well, not quite a few, but we had several calls related to houseplants. A couple things you need to keep in mind is some of the houseplants, if you have them right next to the window, because they do need to have, guess what? A lot of bright light sun. If it gets too cold, they could be damaged by the cold radiating through your windows. Also, avoid putting them near heat vents. So that could do some damage as well. So cold and hot, even though they're tropical or whatever it happens to be, can be damaging to the plant material. Another way you can damage the plant material too is by using tap water that's really cold. It can cause damage to the root system. So make sure the tap water that you use when you water your house plants is pretty much at room temperature. That should be adequate. It doesn't have to be hot or anything else, but it can't. It shouldn't be too cold because that can cause some, like I said, root system damage. Let's go now over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane.
15: Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm very excited, and so is my husband. We have a Meyer lemon tree that we've had inside in the winter for like this is the third winter. Mm-hmm. It's been outside during the summer, sure. and it's just we have seven of the biggest, brightest yellow lemons right now. And my question is, how do I know when to pull them off the tree? And are they edible?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, they're edible, so okay. that shouldn't be problematic. Whether they're going to taste like the lemons that you buy in the store, that's going to be another story. I, okay. My tendency is to think that they're probably going to be a little bit more bitter.
15: Okay, okay. So, and and uh, now it, it's, it's flowering again. Well, the lemons are still on it, but we're getting blossoms again. Right. And the beginnings of little tiny lemons again, um, do they need to be pollinated, and does the tree need to be fed?
3: Uh, acidic fertilizer, the, you know, the lemons like acid-type you know, acid fertilizer. So fertilizing, when they're in flower, when the, I would take the fruits off. If the fruits are, you know, larger than regular lemons that you would get in a store, if they're mm-hmm. getting too big, I'd get them off there, especially because you have the next generation of fruit coming. So okay. too much fruit can, you know, kind of stress a plant out just in general.
15: Okay, okay. Well, that sounds like a good idea. We just didn't know where to go from where we were. So. Right. Well, we're excited because, you know, we're looking forward to it existing in our house for the next few years.
3: So. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. You're lucky. Most people, <laughs> I mean, or you're skillful. I shouldn't say lucky. Most no, people we're don't lucky. have luck with the with the Meyer lemons.
15: Well, we yeah, that's what we thought because we did this once before and nothing happened. Right. So, uh, so anyway, well, thanks for your information, and sure. have a Merry
3: Christmas. Well, same to you. All right, and thanks. now let's go from Jane over to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Are you there?
16: Yes. Hi. Okay. How are you? Good. Okay. I I, call, I called you several months ago about a, a sinkhole that I had, and you told me to call my utilities and da-da-da, have them to check it or whatever, because it, it's like it was getting you know deeper and deeper so i did so it was it was found that it was a sewer lateral repair that was done mm. sinkhole is okay the, the the utility msd they came out they fixed it and everything but my question is this i'm not a gardener a person outside or anything but they dug down about six feet look like they pulled all this dirt up you know in a big area in my front yard right and then they covered it with the back with the dirt after it completed. And then they I guess they laid the seeds. Well now it's hay on half of my yard. <laughs> so I just I just wanna know how okay, what happens next. the day he said water it. Well it's been raining so that's what's been watering it so for next year will i get my grass back or should i do something
3: uh the chances of getting grass to survive i don't know what kind of grass seed they put down but if they put too much straw it could be too much moisture and that could be problematic for it i would say just leave it alone don't worry you know don't i know you don't like looking out at it or anything else And okay. you're probably going to have to just kind of start all over in this location in the springtime because what they did is that subsoil that they brought up from the bottom of the hole, that may be up near the surface. Now, Right. That seed,
16: okay. That's true.
3: Okay. Yeah, and basically what happens, that seed can germinate and can actually, they'll say, well, it's growing. Yes, it is growing, but its survivability in that really tough, deep clay soil is going to be really minimal.
16: Okay. Okay. So in the springtime, you want me to so what What should I do, just try to get somebody to come, uh, I don't know. Do
3: yeah, need... somebody to come out and improve the soil, you know, get it all ready, and then before, get it done as early as you possibly can, let's say sometime in March or April. Oh, so yes, absolutely. Okay. you can get, okay. it, it can get uh, you know, sort of well-established root system before summertime rolls around.
16: Okay, root system before summertime so I can get the grass. Okay, root system before summer. Okay, I sure will do that. Thank you, because I'm looking at this hay, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, okay, I'll just leave it alone. Yep. And it's been raining, so it's been getting – But look like it, it might be too much hay. But I will – first thing in March, I'm going to do just what you said. And Great. I thank you and appreciate your assistance.
3: Well, thank you, and thanks okay. for having me on your show.
16: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Sure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go over and see what's going on with Jean. Hi, Jean.
5: Good morning. Uh, I have a question about a, a cottonwood that's in my front yard. It's about five feet in diameter, monstrous. Mm. There's a limb. There's a limb that's about twenty feet off of the ground that's been supporting my children's and now my grandchildren's swing. That limb has a cavity on top. And I'm afraid that it's not going to last very long. Is there any possible thing you could do to fix that or extend the life of that limb?
3: Not a tr- not a you know branch like that. Basically, if it was a different kind of tree, I mean, they some of the trees like the oaks and maples and things like that, they can cable them together to create a strength. But you know, one on a cottonwood, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything.
5: Could you? Uh, I- I was thinking about filling up a vermiculite and plastering over it just to keep the moisture out of it. No, would that make any difference at all?
3: It would not, and it might cause more problems than good. So the oh, so don't don't put anything. Just leave it alone, and it's going to stay as long as it can. And then after that, a cottonwood of this size, I'm surprised. It's you know, I'm not surprised, but you could you know, put, hopefully, if it does snap off, it's not going to cause damage to your home or anything.
5: No, it's out it's out way out in front, oh, of the, uh, good. front of the house. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, the limbs limb itself is probably maybe eighteen inches, two feet in diameter right. monstrous. Huge. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I was looking for an easy solution.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: there is nothing
3: easy. <laughs> okay, thank you very
6: much. Sure. Merry Christmas.
3: Yes. Thank you, and same to you. Let's uh should we take let's go ahead and take a break. And we'll be back after these messages.
2: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi,
13: hi. hi.
17: Thank you for taking my call.
3: Sure. Oh.
17: I have a beautiful gardenia plant that was on my deck where it got sun most of the summer. Uh, At one time, it had over 20 blooms on it. Wow. Uh, I bought it at a nursery, and they said I could bring it in for the winter, but I'm not for sure what to do with it. I have it in uh, my house now, and it seems to be doing okay. But should I fertilize it or uh, how often should I water it? Any suggestions I would appreciate?
3: <laughs> Basically, no fertilizer during the wintertime at all because you don't want to force any kind of growth. It should be in the brightest location you possibly have, up next to a window. Rotate it about a quarter of a turn every couple days or so or every day. I a few things I do, I rotate them every day. But, uh, uh-huh. And just, you know... Minimize the amount of watering you're going to do. So overwatering during the wintertime is kind of watch you know watch out about that. Just take your finger right after you if it's been watered recently, and just push your finger down in the potting mix and see how it feels moisture wise. Then when it starts getting to the point where you're not feeling the moisture on your finger, or if you can look at the inside of the pot and start to see the potting mix shrink away from the inside. Or what you can do also right after you water, lift it up and see how heavy it feels. Then if it starts feeling really light, those are the times when you would be doing some watering.
17: Okay. All right. Well, it has a wonderful aroma, and my neighbors could even
3: smell it. Wow.
17: (laughs) This summer. So thank you very much. I enjoy your program every Saturday.
3: Well, sure. (laughs) Well, thank you. And also just realize gardenias inside it's a very tough plant to, you know, have do well. So don't, okay. don't get too depressed. Okay. Or you can call or, next spring and say, mine did great, and that's fantastic.
17: Oh, is it true if the leaves turn kind of yellow, it's getting too much water?
3: Uh, that could be it. And also it could just be those are older leaves. And also it could be the fact that the, you know, the fertilizer wasn't acidic enough.
17: Oh, okay, then. Well, thank you so
9: much. Happy holidays. Sure,
3: same Goodbye. to you. <laughs> Let's head over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay.
9: Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my phone call. Sure. enjoy listening to you every Saturday morning. Um, listen, my, my wife and I last spring, because like many people, we had a little time on our hands. We're both educators. Uh, we had a little time on our hands. We planted some a number of bushes, and two in particular. We planted two limelight hydrangeas. Um, out in front of our yard, and so far, I mean, they 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 bloomed beautifully. They were great plants, and they were very healthy, and had big, beautiful blooms on them. Um, but we had a little little difference of opinion uh, in the fall here. I have not cut those back, and wondering should I have cut those back, or can I still cut those back, or should I cut those back?
3: Just leave them alone. Okay. And then in yeah, the spring, still- in the spring, if you see any stems. That are not producing and pushing out any kind of foliage at all, you know. Take your fingernails, scrape the bark, and if the bark underneath the bark is still light green, then leave them and you know for another month or so until you find out if it's going to produce any kind of foliage at all.
9: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we we got good foliage, <clears throat> good bloom this summer. Um, beautiful white fl- uh, flowering bulbs, right? And, and it was really uh, a good. Um, and I just we, we've just left them and haven't done anything. So I, uh, I appreciate your input. I'll just wait and see what happens in the spring.
3: Right. And then in the springtime, uh, go ahead uh, and get some fertilizer for acid loving plants and then fertilize about every every month or so. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Yep, And then no fertilizer once we get into the summertime. Let's head over to AJ's yard. Hi, AJ.
9: Hi, Mike. How's it going? Um,
3: I
18: got a couple questions for you. Um we have a fescue lawn, and I'm just wondering what would be the best time to dethatch and what would be the best time to core aerate?
3: Uh, basically, what you need to do is core aerate and dethatch, not now. It's too, yeah. you know, you don't want to do it. So the ideal time would be to do it in the fall or late, let's say. You could do it in the spring if you wanted to, either one of those two. But the ideal time is doing it in September. Do them both in September? Yep.
18: And one other thing, too, um, in, our, in our garden, our garden's already done for the year. I tilled it up already, and we planted onions. And evidently, most have missed picking a couple of them because there's two of them now that have started growing again. Even after having the frost and everything, they've popped up. They're on, right on the corners of the garden. They've popped up. They're about three or four inches tall right now. Are those going to be any good?
3: They should. Well, you mean as far as eating or just watching them grow?
18: Well, either. I mean, as far as eating, I doubt they're going to be any really good for eating. But... <laughs>
3: No, you could just leave them alone. I mean, they're probably not going to be hardy, depending upon our temperature wise and ground freezing and things along that line. But for the most part, uh, just enjoy them. Okay.
18: I didn't know if they would grow anymore
3: after we had the frost and stuff like that. Well, it hasn't really been that frosty. Okay. All righty. Thanks a lot. Happy holidays to you. Well, same to you, and happy thanks. you know, happy holidays to everybody. And again. I want to, you know, talk every last couple of weeks I've talked about people that have done holiday decorations. I'll tell you, there's some people that are in my neighborhood as I wander around or whatever that have blended together Thanksgiving. No, not very pumpkins, I guess, but Halloween and Christmas together. And I have seen some totally wild decorations where there's like dragons, inflatable dragons with wings where they have, you know, let's say, Christmas stuff in the Dragon Wings. It's just people are getting so creative. It's just totally crazy and nuts and totally enjoyable. So you enjoy the week. Mike Miller, West Garden Hotline. Thanks to Alex. See you in a couple weeks.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.